podcast was recorded at 7 p.m. on 12 February Charter Time. Things will have changed by the time you hear this. Enjoy the program. Welcome back to Reformacy Dispatch. I'm Jeff Hutton. And I'm Kevin O'Rourke from the Reformacy Weekly Service. Special pod. We are at election eve. We're recording this on Monday night, and uh, Stephen's going to be hitting the hitting the caffeine to get this out for Tuesday morning. We hope. Um, and we just wanted to ha- to convene the uh, the brain trust to get a sense of the lay of the land before uh, Indonesia's two hundred and four million people head to the polls on the early uh, the early hours of Wednesday. But it's also worth noting. Indonesians head out to the polls at 7 a.m. and they are there in numbers at 7 a.m. They are in line waiting to cast their vote or punch the hole in the ballot, five ballots, as it may be. We want to give you a sense, dear listener, of where the polling stands, um, what happens on Thursday if we have a president-elect, which uh, looks like is more likely than not, and what are some of the other races that we haven't focused on um, do we get a sense of what the incoming administration and the new elite will be? Over to you, Kevin O'Rourke, for Reformacy Weekly. Will it be a first-round win for Prabowo Subianto? Yes, it will. Uh, his uh, momentum has continued to rise right up into early February, uh, according to two good polls, uh, one by Indicator Politik uh, and another by uh, Populi Center. And... Uh, even excluding the undecided respondents in the poll, his support is about the around the 54 to 55% level. So even if there is a soft turnout, uh, as we discussed in our last podcast, uh, Prabowo should be able to get uh, a majority in one round. There's been some late breaking news about um, that has cast aspersions or doubt on the legitimacy of various contracts and rulings and stuff that we've litigated on and off throughout this. And it's, it's, there's been protests um, about election interference and pro, uh, uh, on the part of uh, the president, Joko Widodo. Uh, any impact? Do, are you seeing any impact on, on, or do you expect anything to, to fall out from this? None whatsoever. Nope. It's all just uh, elite level noise that's going to affect the opinions of at most one percent of uh, the electorate i think people have their minds made up and uh the type of uh headlines being generated in the past few days uh especially about uh, this uh, documentary with an english title uh, dirty vote it's uh it's not going to make a, a, a substantial impact at all uh now it's so uh, you know widodo is behind uh Prabo and widodo is enormously popular and so that's the main thing. Prabowo had a huge rally in Jakarta uh, Saturday, um, and uh, yeah, it's uh, pretty clear that uh, he's got the momentum, and um, it's uh, it's going to be uh, a big victory, I think. Um, when was the last time there was an outright win in the first round? Uh, no, this is a, so. This is very similar to what happened in uh, two thousand nine. It's just that at that time, uh, the the winner was the incumbent, uh, Silo Bamangiriono, who uh, ran against 
who's a former running mate, Yusuf Kala, and um, his predecessor, Megawati. Uh, so he had a similar kind of coalition um, with uh, the bulk of the, the moderate mainstream backing his candidacy. Um, while uh, the Megawati and Prabowo ticket were on the pluralist side, and uh, Kala and Luranto were on the Islamic-oriented side. So Iriona won 60% of the vote, despite having two opponents uh, in that race. So this one has uh, similar dynamics, because Prabowo occupies the, the center of the religious spectrum mm. as a rival dividing the vote. So, you know, if uh, people want to sound smart, to their bosses back home in various capitals it is sounding like it's a referendum on Widodo. Widodo is just so popular that anyone who's got Widodo's blessing gets the keys to the presidential palace. Fair assessment? Yeah, you know, the, yeah, the old cliche is that um, Indonesia is at a crossroads. What? I don't, uh, what? <laughs> Indonesia is, the new cliche is that Indonesia is not Ooh. at a crossroads anymore. They're, not, Indonesia is not at a crossroads anymore. It's... Uh, Backed away. And then I think we might have an episode title there. Hmm. Ah, <laughs> <laughs> uh, it takes us back. That takes us back to the Simpsons in a more innocent era. Uh, yeah, that, that Simpsons episode where uh, Homer gets a business class ticket and he's on the plane and there's a copy of The Economist. He opens it up and says, hey, Marge, did you know that Indonesia is at a crossroads? No. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> not and a very I, good Homer Simpson boy, I, sorry. I, well, that was that, that's not bad. That's but that's not what we pay you for. Um, <laughs> the yeah. the, the reformatory <laughs> checks are not yeah. new impressions. They're they're to tell to paint a picture of what might be happening on Thursday morning. So if we do get an outright win, is going to be dancing on the streets or no, um, we'll be dancing on the streets or um, basically we're going to have. We may have a situation where there's two presidents until October. That, that doesn't sound comfy. Yeah. No. Yeah. Yeah. There's a there's a long handover period, but um, Indonesia's accustomed to that. That's uh, that's that's manageable. That's, I don't think that's going to be uh, too big of a deal. Widodo is the one who's popular and has the power on paper and has the loyalist in position. So uh, it'll, it'll be a little bit different. But um, is there? Uh, what might happen then legislatively or in terms of infrastructure projects or appointments? Um, now that there is an incoming, there's a new, uh, there, there's an incoming administration. There might be an incoming administration. It seems to be an outgoing one. What kind of announcements, cancellations, investigations, what could crop up that, uh, that our dear listener would be, uh, Advise to take note of. Yeah, I think uh, there's a few bills already in Parliament. One would uh, basically reorganize the constitutional court and ensure a pro widodo majority in the court, which is which is very important because that court is a it's not it's not really a constitutional court. It's really a nine member entity that can rewrite laws um, as it wishes. That's really the the function of the court nowadays at this stage. Uh, and. Uh, also, there's one that would change the electoral mechanism for the governor of Jakarta, uh, removing direct public voting and making that an appointed position. Most parties have uh, registered opposition uh, subsequently to the idea of ending direct elections in Jakarta, uh, but not Prabowo's Garindra, and uh, they could conceivably change their stance again. But 
these bills and some other things have been put on hold basically because they're inherently controversial and nobody wants to be associated with them prior to the election day. But after election day, once the votes are already cast, then there's no more fear of voter retribution. And so there could be measures like this pushed uh, by the president during his final months in office that basically uh, rearrange the uh, political landscape to further consolidate control and, and centralize power in, in preparation for uh, the next administration. So Widodo can use his popularity and his uh, influence with political parties in parliament to put whatever measures in place that he wants uh, and to, to better position himself and Prabowo. Uh, so that's that's one possibility. Yeah. Right. And there has been some discussion that uh, uh, Gibran Rakabumi might be in pole position to be governor, uh, appointed governor of of um, of Jakarta. Or, no. But how could he be no. president? Yeah, no, no. He, he, so he'll be the vice president. So he's not going to be uh, a regional head. Right. Um, no, so there's uh, but. Uh, yeah, there, there was some press reporting saying that some of the details of this bill on the Jakarta Special Region, or sorry, the uh, yeah, uh, yeah, Jakarta Special Region bill uh, calls for the creation of a regional council for Greater Jakarta, uh, headed by the vice president. And, and that's oh, okay. all there is. All right, right. right. That's, all, that's all that's known about that. There's no detail about what that council would do, or how much authority it would have, or so on. Um, Ultimately, it would still be accountable to the president. There's really no way to get around that. But it does look as if it's a way to think about empowering the vice presidency with something tangible in order to help sustain the influence of the Widodo family. Uh, but in practice, I don't think it's going to work. So we might see some gambits on the part of the outgoing Widodo administration to somehow entrench their influence uh, over the over the next term. Um, that's what really this entire enterprise has been about. And yeah. that sounds and then, like a long shot still at best. Exactly. Yeah, it's going to be tense, I think. And that, that so the thing to watch for is any fissures or, or gaps or breaks in between the Widodo camp on one hand and the Prabowo camp on the other. Uh, and uh, it's interesting to speculate that uh, these might already be happening uh, Ahok uh, Basuki Parama, the former Jakarta governor, came out and endorsed Ganjar last week. Uh, but no other resignations happened from the cabinet, interestingly, against expectations. But uh, Ahok has really provoked some reactions from the Prabowo camp, and he's uh, uh, discussed the possibility of, of Widodo not having power after Inauguration Day. Um, and he's expressed concern about uh, uh, Widodo being tricked by Prabowo. And then, um, yeah, another person, uh, Connie Bakri, who's a defense analyst, who's a professional uh, expert. Uh, she uh, mentioned that she had heard that Prabowo would just hold the presidency for two years and then resign and hand over to Gibran, which is not credible. But this comment elicited a reaction from uh, the Prabowo camp, and uh, the campaign official said that uh, these types of rumors always crop up and people are talking about things like uh, Prabowo being poisoned. So that's what he said. That was the, uh, uh, the campaign chair. Utter nonsense. Wish casting is just crazy town. This man has fought to the nail to get 
to the top job is all he's ever wanted. The idea that he would resign. Sorry, I think. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So the salient point is that this uh, sort of uh, anticipation of uh, awkwardness between Widodo and Prabowo is, is already cropping up even before the the votes are cast on Wednesday. What would that mean for you know Indonesian watchers or anyone that's gonna that has a deal in the works or is planning an investment or is having thinking about I don't know, say setting up a nickel smelter or <laughs> or making some electric vehicles here. I mean, what do you do in the in that in, in the interregnum? Right. Yeah. Well, there, there's different types of investors, um, but uh, you know, the ones that tend to be uh, uh, reputable and subject to scrutiny in major developed markets that have a lot of transparency and accountability to shareholders, uh, they need to manage the risks and. They will think twice uh, because with democratic norms having weakened, then there's a whole new range of options and possibilities and outcomes uh, affecting Indonesia's outlook. And so, therefore, it's, uh, it's much more difficult to plan. It's, it's riskier. And so uh, when you have a, a well-established and accepted democracy that all sides respect, then it's reasonable to assume that power will change hands peacefully at, at regulated times into the future. Uh, but democratic norms have weakened because of the constitutional court and the anti-corruption commission and uh, conflicts of interest among officials and intimidation of political parties and the fact that the uh, front runner is somebody with a background in regarding human rights that's problematic and so who's denied elections in the past so therefore um, there's there's uh, less you know, reason to have uh, confidence in democratic structures in the future. And so that's going to deter the good investment. And the, Absolutely. Right. Raises the risk. Yeah. Of the fall. Um, yeah. uh, so, uh, you know, we're, we're getting ahead of ourselves and, and calling, <laughs> calling the race for Probowo. We've got 24 hours. What is it? We're, we're recording this Monday. We've got 48 hours to go. Um, it, needless to say, it does seem more of a question of a when and by how much rather than who with respect to the um, presidential race. Uh, I don't know if you've had a look at, at the comments uh, and the social media posting that The Economist has uh, made a, a, whenever they've, they've written about the likelihood of a Proboa presidency is not in glowing terms. The comments, dear listener, are worth looking at. And we look at them, I would say a good 60% of the English language comments are, we don't, it, this is just because Widodo is so strong. You're jealous. We're not doing what the Westerners want. This is, this is us protecting our resources. And this feels like is, uh, now we're getting to the real sense out there that Indonesia wants to seem strong against foreign interests, read Western. Um, and I worry that there is a reactionary, xenophobic, protectionist uh, uh, force that's coming to the fore. Um, and it, it is really tapping into a vein of resentment, um, real or imagined. Uh, take a look at those those comments, they're, they're an education. Um, I don't know if you've, 
what about the other races out there? There's There are five elections going on, not just the presidential one. What, what else have you been looking at? Yeah, the uh, legislative election is really going to get overlooked. And I, I suspect there's going to be a lot of invalid ballots in the legislative election. Basically, um, like uh, Hada Gumai explained uh, a couple episodes ago, uh, voters who are really only following the presidential race, a lot of them will come out and just vote for that alone. And the other four ballots, uh, they won't even use. And so those will be blank or invalid. Uh, and um, that was on the order of about 10% in the election last time. It could be even higher this time around, I think. Basically, there's no parties that offer a credible reformist option for uh, most voters. So and then there's a real blurring of the distinctions between the parties as well in recent years because of the uh, switching of stances of the parties and the weak opposition. Parte Democrat was the main opposition party, but it's endorsed the pro Widodo, uh, Prabowo ticket now. So um, it's uh, it's, it's going to be low turnout, I think. And um, yeah, so basically there's the you know, regional representatives assembly, the DPD, and that one doesn't have any power uh, really, except when it comes to amending the constitution, in which case it does matter. Uh, and so it could very well actually matter in this uh, next uh, period. Oh, wait, could, 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 could I get you just to back up a little bit? Can you walk us through? There, there's a little bit of algebra and hocus pocus on how do you amend the Constitution? Um, if, if Well, yeah, the issue is you know, how do you block an amendment? And, and that requires right. one third of the NPR. And the NPR consists of Parliament and this DPD, Regional Representatives Assembly. So the Parliament's going to be expanded to 585 seats, just a a little over 1% expansion. Um, and then uh, the DPD is about 138 uh, uh, <laughs> uh, provinces times uh, four representatives each. So uh, it comes out to 152 uh, seats, I think, something like that. So the, the NPR is the biggest one, but the DPD does matter. And DPD is interesting because it used to be ind independent uh, candidates uh, comprising that, that entity. So it's basically like a, uh, in structure, like a U.S. Senate where each province sends uh, its representatives, in this case, four per province rather than two in the U.S., for example. Uh, but they're directly elected and um, they were non-party people. But then uh, two elections ago, that changed so that party-affiliated figures can run for the DPD so that's the major distinction between DPD candidates is uh, are they genuinely independents or are they uh, somebody aligned with one of the parties and then how, how does the party align? So uh, ultimately, it's going to come down to whether the figures of the DPD are malleable when it comes to pressure to amend the Constitution or are they going to show some resolve uh, with regards to uh, protecting democratic institutions? I, I just want to interject here, uh, Harvard grad, that is 152 uh, seats. <laughs> So I uh, Good. Yeah, that's what I said, wasn't it? You know, you know <laughs> but you didn't huh? seem, you didn't sell it. You didn't sell it. Uh, well, actually, you know, I'm not sure about the Papuan provinces. The, you know, there's uh, four new provinces. Created. Four new provinces. That's right. Uh, when will we know the results? Well, it depends what kind of results you mean. Are you talking about the, the, the real results results, or the official results or the accurate results? Well, yeah, there's three different accurate. types. Uh, so the first ones will be the quick counts, and these are fundamentally different from an exit poll. They're unofficial, uh, 
there's going to be multiple different organizations doing them and uh, the reputable organizations, the, the famous, uh, the, the well-known polling firms or the major NGOs like CSIS, uh, major media outlets like Compass, they'll do quick counts that is a very established methodology. It samples the actual counting of votes at the ballot station level nationwide, and that should be accurate to within uh, plus or minus one percentage point uh, per candidate at most. Some of them are going to be more accurate than that, uh, plus or minus 0.2%. So the, the, they should be, start to become available around 3 p.m. on election day, the 15th. Sorry, <laughs> around 3 p.m. on election day on the 14th. Um, and uh, they'll be complete. Uh, 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 early evening that day, I would think. We had problems uh, with quick counts though before. Not all of them are created equal. What's the? Uh, you're mentioning um, what, what? What are what are the good ones, and what's one to be skeptical of? Or? Yeah, uh, in 2014, there was a group called Uskaptis, uh, and there were another two, or arguably three, other groups of the. Uh, about 12 quick counts in 2014 that uh, produced bogus results. And uh, the Puskaptis head was uh, Hussein Yazid. Uh, he's currently now working with Indomatric. So any quick count from Indomatric is uh, not credible. Uh, but this was not a problem in 2019 because uh, the polling association, Persepi, imposed standards and uh, Therefore, the quick counts were reliable and, and they were uniform. You know, there, there were no bogus uh, results like, like in 2014 that, that proclaimed Prabhu the winner by a big margin just to deliberately create confusion. And that, that was designed to substantiate claims of fraud. Um, I wouldn't anticipate that happening this time around, uh, but uh, yeah, one never knows. Okay. And um, our, our guys, Anis and Ganjar, should they not make it through? What happens to them? Can they run for election uh, back in uh, right. in November? Uh, yeah, so there's supposed to be regional elections in November, uh, unless uh, the Widodo administration alters that plan and, and subjects those to direct appointment, um, which would be unpopular, but you know, that, that's something that could conceivably happen. Events may change by the time you hear this. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah, the, the, if, if there's a direct election in Jakarta, that'll be the big prize, of course. Anis Basuedan could run for that one. Um, the president's younger son, uh, Kaisang Pangarep, would probably like to. Unfortunately, he's uh, not eligible because he's too young, so, but maybe they can find a way around that. I don't know. I'm not going to touch that one. <laughs> I'm not even going to say anything. So uh, just to recap, if it could be a low turnout election, and if we get uh, spoiled ballots or um, along those lines, uh, spoiled ballots for parliament, we will get a sense that um, the presidential election overshadowed the rest of the races. Uh, 10% in 2019, probably going to be higher this time around. Probably Prabowo in the first round. Um, and, uh, watch this space and for fissures <laughs> updates. <laughs> yeah. And the, basic, uh, math. basic electoral math. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And, um, 
Yeah, it's going to be a year that poses a lot of tests, I think, especially for people um, working with uh, civil society organizations and the press. Uh, the press council uh, sought to have a declaration that the candidates uh, signed, guaranteeing that they would uphold press freedoms during their presidency, uh, but Provo didn't uh, show up to that. So that was sort of a, an ominous uh, omission there. And uh, there's been some agitation among academics and student groups on campuses, which is unusual. It's more, more so than uh, has been the case in a long time. Uh, and uh, yeah, the, those are people that could face uh, retribution in the future as well. So um, one of the big questions is, uh, yeah, to what extent is, um, is that kind of thing going to happen? And, and to what extent will um, the next administration uh, respect uh, freedom of expression? Okay, we're going to leave it there. Uh, let you get some sleep. It's going to be a, a late night, couple, some late nights coming this week, I think. Uh, Kevin, thanks so much. Okay, bye. And that's the pod. Thanks so much to Seth Soderberg for joining. Our editing and sound engineering is done by Stephen Hendoko. Our music is courtesy of the Blue Dot Sessions. For a free two-week trial of Kevin's Reformacy Weekly Newsletter, go to reformacy.info. You can support us by donating at buymeacoffee.com slash reformacy. If you have any questions for any of us, or if you have ideas for people we can interview, why not email us at hello at onthelevel.id. If you're listening to us through a podcast app, please hit subscribe. It would be a big help. This podcast is a production of On The Level Media. I'm Jeff Hutton. Bye for now.